Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, President of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You. I'm Aaron Free, your host, and Israel You is a ministry of Israel Team Advocates, and what we do is we do presentations on evangelical college campuses. There's a rise of anti-Semitism going on out there all across America. The resurgence of replacement theology, which professors are teaching that God has rejected the Jewish people. And so what we're trying to do is turn the hearts and the minds of evangelical millennial students away from this ever-increasing uh, antagonism against the Jewish people and against Israel. You can go to our website, israelteam.org. It's an educational website. You can download articles and information and uh, news resources just to keep you up to date of what's going on out there in the, the stratosphere of uh, the growing anti-Semitism in America. Uh, we're coming out with a new book. It's called The Casualty of Contempt. It'll be out the first part of January 2021. There's 16 uh, wonderful authors in this book. I'll be telling you a little bit about that in the, during the break. But today we're going to talk about uh, lessons that Israel learned in the plagues of Egypt. And right now our country, uh, actually worldwide, we are in a worldwide pandemic and I know that a lot of us are just struggling with this this issue, and it seems like there's a darkness that's come all over the earth. But hey, we're, we're in the Christmas season and the Hanukkah season. It's uh, a time of, of great light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, the light of Jesus. And so today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus, and uh, I'm going to share with you some lessons that I've been learning as I've studied the plagues, and it, it's a good point because... Everything about Israel is, is for our learning, and so their experience in the wilderness is for our learning. So let's just kind of go through these lessons. I don't know if I'll get through all the lessons that I've, I've come up with in the last six, eight months during this pandemic, but there's six or seven lessons that I want to share with you today, and the first one is overcoming a darkness that can be felt, and I think we can all say today that it's almost like you can feel this this COVID-19 darkness that's spreading <clears throat> across our world. And it's people are locked in lockdown. People are quarantining. There's, there's a fear out there of, you know, am I, I'm, I going to catch this virus? So the coronavirus has covered the world with a sense of foreboding darkness. There's not only the darkness of fear that you can be infected by the unseen virus, but also the darkness of perplexity as you consider the options in your near and distant future that relate to your employment, your income, your business success, financial stability. And one thing is for certain, I think we can all say this, we're all surrounded by a dreadful darkness that seems to be closing in as each day passes. And each day now they're saying we may go back into another lockdown across America. You know, what's gonna happen next? The children of Israel lived in Egypt during the 10 plagues God sent so that the region uh, because of Pharaoh's harsh treatment of the Jews and his unwillingness to free them from 430 years of slavery and travel to the land God had promised their father Abraham. 
During the ninth plague of darkness that covered Egypt, it's recorded in Exodus chapter 10, there's a remarkable and encouraging lesson for all of us. Really, a miracle happened during this plague of darkness. The darkness lasted three days. We've been in this pandemic for about a year. And it was so thick, the Egyptians could not see so much as another person. As a result, uh, no one left their homes for the duration of the plagues. Darkness socially isolated people from one another. The scriptures record that the darkness over the land was so thick it could be felt. And this is true in our world today, the seeming endless season of social isolation. However, right in the midst, and think about this, right in the midst of this foreboding darkness, there is a great sign of hope given to the Jewish people. And it says in Exodus 10.23, But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. So imagine darkness, foreboding darkness, so dark it could be felt, spreads over the entire region of Egypt. But in the homes of the Jews, there was light. Egypt is covered in darkness, both inside and outside of their homes. But the Jewish homes were filled with light. Most likely the Jews sheltered in place during this plague so as not to get lost in the surrounding darkness. And the Bible records the Jews had light where they lived. The implication, I believe here, is that they kept living, they kept hoping, they kept flourishing, though surrounded by darkness. So the Bible says that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Yes, it's true. Darkness is all around us. This plague just seems to keep going on and on. But let's keep living in the light of the hope only given to us by God instead of regressing in hopeless darkness. This is a time to live and flourish, knowing our trust and our hope is in the light of the world. And it's Christmas time, and I got up this morning probably 5 o'clock, 5.30. My wife, Sharon, she's an early riser, and um, she loves Christmas lights. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk maybe the next few weeks about the lights of Christmas, the light of the world, and, and uh, the meaning of Hanukkah, uh, which is the Jewish feast of lights. And um, my wife, Sharon, she's Norwegian, I'm Jewish, but uh, she puts up lights everywhere. And this year, especially, she went out and bought extra Christmas lights. And I said to her this morning, she got up before I did, and she had all the Christmas lights just burning all over the entire house. And I said, what gives? What is going on with you? She said, you know what? It's been a really difficult year. It's been kind of a darkened year just with the darkness of this this virus. So she said, this year, I'm just putting up extra lights just to remind me that Jesus is the light of our world. And somehow through the midst of this darkness, he is shining through into our life. And it just gives me great joy to see all these lights. And I think that's true that, that um, in a time of darkness, there may be darkness all around us. But in the homes of the believers, there should be light, there should be hope, there should be uh, great possibilities of what you know, the Lord is going to do through the midst of this thing. So that's the first lesson is find, find light in the midst of the darkness. And here's a second lesson. Trust in the source and not the resource. Back in 1961, a famous author, John Steinbeck, 
drove his pickup across America. It's one of my favorite books that he wrote. And the stories of his travels he recorded in this classic book, Travels with Charlie. And in a letter to his editor about his journey, Steinbeck said these words, In all my travels, I saw very little real poverty. I mean the grinding, terrifying poorness of the 30s. That, at least, was real and tangible. No, it was a sickness, a kind of wasting disease. There were wishes, but no wants. And underneath it all, the building energy like gases in a corpse. When that explodes, I tremble to think what will be the result. Over and over, I thought we lacked the pressures that make men strong and the anguish that makes men great. And perhaps because of the almost unbroken prosperity our nation has enjoyed for over 50 years, we as individuals have outgrown the need to place our trust in God, who is called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Yet when you think about it, many of the notable defining moments in our lives occur in times of crisis and loss. C.S. Lewis said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our Pleasure speaks in our consciousness, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I find it compelling how hard it is to forget what pains we had in a time of loss, yet how much harder still it is to remember what joys we had in a time of gain. The discomfort we endure in times like these during this pandemic forms the costly pearls of our faith. We have no victory crowns to show for all the blissful moments in life. It's for those times of suffering that we receive crowns. Gain gets all the good press, but in the end, it's your loss you hold dear since it is your best teacher. The COVID-19 virus is no respecter of persons uh, or professions or industries. Every sector, think about this, in our economy is suffering loss. The real stuff of life is not what happens to us, but how we react to it. I I went to my bank yesterday, just a little local branch. I live in a small town, and there's a large branch probably 15 minutes away. And I went to my bank. I I know all the, the, the bankers. They're very friendly in this little branch. And there's a sign in the door, closed. Because of COVID-19, they, they closed my little uh, bank branch. Now I have to drive 15 minutes. And I stood there and I thought, man, this, this pandemic is affecting all areas of our economy. So God is concerned about what happens to us. But I believe he's more deeply concerned about what happens in us. And this virus is peeling away all the outer layers and revealing to us the true nature of our faith. And what kind of trust actually resides in our hearts. One of the great lessons that God taught Israel in the 10 plagues in Egypt was to absolutely trust in him for their provision. And one particular lesson was given to them in the Passover meal. Each family was to prepare a young lamb for the evening meal, and God gave them this strange commandment concerning what to do with the leftover meat. Here it is in Exodus 12:10, And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. So why didn't God allow them to save the leftovers for the exodus out of Egypt the next morning? They would need food for their families and leftover lamb would be a great source of protein for the beginning of the journey. The reason is that God was teaching them that from here forward, they would have no way possible to find adequate resources in the wilderness. And he needed them to trust solely in him as their source if they're going to survive the journey. 
The Bible specifically points this out when it records, they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. So God wanted the children of Israel to trust in their source, Jehovah Jireh, rather than in their resources. And a lot of times we put our hope and our trust in our job, in a good economy, in our resources. But God is teaching me through this pandemic, put my trust in him as my source, not in the resources of my finances. So God taught them this wonderful lesson in the wilderness. And during their wilderness experience, he gave them manna from heaven. And the manna appeared on the ground each morning, and God commanded the Israelites to take only what they needed for that day. Some tried to hoard manna, perhaps fearing they would not have enough the next day. But the manna only had a shelf life of one day, and whatever was hoarded rotted. God was teaching them to depend on him every single day. He gave them a daily reminder that his mercies are new every morning. And so when I put my trust in God as my source, rather than the resources that I have around me, reminds me that God's mercy is new every morning. In in the Lord's Prayer, give us today the bread for tomorrow. So it's every day asking the Lord for the mercy of bread and for his provision. And when this virus subsides and life goes back to normal, my hope and prayer for all of us is that the anguish and pressures we all are feeling presently will cause us to place our hope in our one true source, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Each test and trial we go through is actually a mercy. Presently, God is lovingly teaching us how to depend on him. If this virus is one of the birth pangs Jesus mentions in Matthew 24, what will the labor pains be uh, during the end times? And so, beloved, put your trust and hope in the source, Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider through the midst of this dark trial that we're going through, through the midst of the darkness that is spreading across our world in this worldwide pandemic. He is our source. He is Jehovah Jireh. So we'll see you on the other side. You can go to our website, israelteam.org. And for a $100 donation this month, uh, we're going to send you our new book. It's called The Casualty of Contempt. Go to our website, israelteam.org, and find out how to get this wonderful book. We'll see you on the other side in just a moment. Hey, this is Aaron Free, and we've got a matching challenge this month, the month of December. And you can double your giving to help Israel Team and our mission to turn the tide of the rising, alarming decline of uh, support for Israel on evangelical college campuses. You're giving dollar for dollar up to $28,000 of foundation has invested uh, in our mission. And if you give a gift of $100 this month, we'll send you an autographed copy of our new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti-Semitism and What Can Be Done to Stop It. It's a critically important book. 16 world-renowned authors from the world of sports, law, academia, Israel advocacy, both Jews and Gentile authors in this book. 
All Defenders of the Jewish People. Uh, some of the authors include Stuart Roth, who's on the program with us today from the American Center for Law and Justice, Jay Seculo, Chief Counsel of the American Center for Law and Justice, Coach Bruce Pearl, coach of men's basketball at Auburn University, Coach Dale Brown, uh, Shaquille O'Neal's coach at LSU, Dr. Marlene Yahalom from Yad Vashem. And this month, if you'll go to IsraelTeam.org and go to the donate section, and for a gift of $100 or more, this foundation will match your giving dollar for dollar. And you can go to IsraelTeam.org to the donate section, and uh, you can help us in our mission to turn the tide of this rising anti-Semitism. It's hard to believe, but so many of our evangelical colleges and universities are turning against Israel. So this book uh, addresses this issue, and uh, it'll help uh, your students, you know, if you have students in your household that are wondering their role in God's restoration of Israel, this book will help them in that understanding. This is Israel in You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel in You, and we're talking today about lessons we learn from Israel during the time of the Exodus, the, the plagues of over Egypt. And so, yes, today we're in a worldwide plague, a worldwide pandemic. And uh, we just mentioned how suffering is actually a mercy. And so God is teaching us some really dynamic things through the midst of this worldwide pandemic. He's teaching us how to trust in him. He's teaching us how to depend on his light in the midst of darkness. And there's a little prayer I'd like to pray right now as we, we finish up that last uh, lesson on uh, trusting in him as our source, not in our resources. And here's the prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy in this moment of anguish as you teach us to trust in you completely. Peel away the callous layers of our hearts and bring us to a place of total trust in you as our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Forgive us for the times we have feared when our resources ran low and doubted your awesome ability to provide our needs. Thank you, Lord, that as we look back over our lives, your mercies were and are new every morning. Lord, may we know and believe that if we place our trust in you, we will never be forsaken or put to shame, and our children will never beg bread. You know, one of my favorite books is by uh, the Christian uh, author who was in uh, a Russian gulag. It's Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and he wrote the book, The Gulag of Archipelago. And here's what he says. It was only when I lay there on rotting prison straw that I sensed within myself the first stirrings of good. Gradually, it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. I nourished my soul there, and I say without hesitation, bless you prison for having been in my life. And so that's, that's a wonderful place to be, that when we go through a time of suffering, and we all are right now because of this pandemic, we can say, you know, bless you for having been in my life, that, that dark moments like this, difficult trials like this, they teach us some things. They draw us ever closer to the Lord. 
So that's a wonderful lesson. Trust in your source, which is Jehovah Jireh, not in your resources. Here's the third lesson. Be prepared, but not perplexed. Today, we're into this pandemic almost a year. And these are definitely perplexing times for all the people of the earth. In the Bible, the word perplexity comes from the Greek word aporia. And it is basically means to be at loss of understanding. And I think right now there's a lot of perplexity out there. People are at loss of what to do. The word perplexity describes a person who is out of resources and ideas and doesn't know what to do. They have reached the end of their emotional and intellectual ability to craft a solution to their problems. It's easy to become overwhelmed in quarantine where you have been broken off from the normal pattern of your life as well as being separated from your friends and extended family. And during the 10 plagues in Egypt, the Israelites were commanded to stay in their homes, Exodus 12, 22. Does that sound familiar? Yes. God knew the stress and perplexity they must have been feeling while living through 10 plagues and now being quarantined in their homes. So he gave them some practical instructions about what to do when they were sheltering at home during the Passover meal. This is the 10th plague uh, of the, the death angel passing over all of Egypt. And here's God's instructions. In this manner, you shall eat it, the Passover meal, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, Exodus twelve eleven. What was God saying here, and why were these details so important? Because the children of Israel had been in bondage for 430 years, and they were about to break out of their confinement. God knew the 10 plagues would be an emotionally foreboding experience for them to live through. So these instructions were given to assure the Israelites they were going to make it through the darkness of that terrible night. By fastening the belt, God was saying, this is no time to relax or become apathetic, lethargic, or passive. Jewish clothes had no buttons, so while at home you would relax your belt, but when you went outside, you would gird up your loins or fasten your belt. The phrase fasten your belt is used throughout the entire Bible as a metaphor for preparedness, preparation. Jewish people did not wear shoes in their houses, but God tells them to put on their sandals during the plague. He was encouraging them to not be overwhelmed by their confinement. By wearing their sandals, they were reminded they would be breaking out soon. Placing a staff in their hand was a sign of hope that a journey to a better and promised land was just on the other side of this difficult time. To eat in haste did not mean to eat quickly, but rather with sober judgment. They were to thoughtfully consider all the changes God was about to lead them through. These instructions to the children of Israel in the midst of a terrible plague apply to us today. We must not be overwhelmed with perplexity. We're going to make it through this. So what should you and I do? First of all, fasten your belt. Keep working. Do your best not to become lethargic or apathetic. Ask God for creative ideas about what to do with every hour of every day. Diversify, pivot, think outside the four walls of your quarantine. Wonderful story of diversifying in crisis is how the cotton farmers in Enterprise, Alabama dealt with the devastating bow weevil bug in 1915. What they did is they planted peanuts and it changed the economy for the better. So do something in the physical that affirms your faith in God's ability to lead you through this season. For the children of Israel, it was 
fastening their belts, wearing their sandals around the house, placing a staff in their hands, sprinkling the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of their homes. Maybe for you, it's starting a daily Bible reading discipline, journaling, writing a business plan for a creative idea, gathering your family around the dinner table, reconnecting with old friends. Honestly, for me, the first week of this quarantine, it was really difficult uh, back in the spring. I spent the time canceling projects I'd been planning for months and reassuring those involved we would reschedule when we get through this thing. I then experienced a few days of perplexity as I said, now what? But then I started reading the instructions God gave Moses concerning how to keep living and thriving during a plague, and I began to ask God for creative ideas, and he began shifting me and pivoting me and preparing me for something new. So the message from God to the children of Israel during the 10 plagues was, don't be perplexed, rather be prepared, be sober, not somber. Put on your shoes and traveling clothes and get ready for some awesome changes coming your way. I think this is really encouraging advice from the God who knows the future of his children uh, will be filled with wonder. You want to hear something really incredible? Jesus gave almost the same advice to his saints living in the last days who would be facing troubling plagues. And that's us. He said those days will be filled with distress and perplexity. People will be fainting with fear and foreboding. What does Jesus tell us to do in such times? Here's what he says. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In other words, don't be perplexed. Be prepared. An awesome change is about ready to happen. I remember when Katrina hit the Gulf Coast, um, some some men in our church, we went over to see what we could do to help. And uh, we got to I-10, and in all directions, I-10 heading east and west for about five, seven miles, were cars lined alongside the road. People had run out of gas trying to escape uh, the uh, the hurricane. And I remember going up to this car, the hood was up, and we got out of our cars and We said to this family, there was 11 people crammed in this car trying to get out of uh, New Orleans. And uh, they said the fan belt broke, and we sent another family member in another car to the town next door to uh, get a fan belt. And I looked at the lady, and I said, ma'am, we just came from that town. The town is gone. She said, no, there's got to be an auto parts store. I said, ma'am, every store has been totally destroyed. There's nothing there. And honestly, that was the most perplexing moment in my entire life. What, what can we do to help all these people? We got back in the car. We had meals ready to eat. We, we gave this family uh, finances to help them, and we gave them meals, but that's all we could do. We were in a little tiny car, and what we learned was, you know, in the midst of perplexity, we did the one thing that we uh, were called to do. We helped one family that was in distress, and you know what happened? Over the next three months, we put a medical clinic together. We saw 10,000 patients, and we fed 250,000 people just by doing the one thing that God had called us to do. So find one thing today in the midst of this very difficult season. Trust in the Lord as your light. Put your trust in your source, not your resources, and the Lord's going to see you through. Go to our website israelteam.org if you'd like this book the casualty of contempt 
You can order it today. God bless you. We'll see you next week.